WMUN. All kinds of people. Hosted by Dr. Joe Mashevitz. Getting to know the people of Muncie and Delaware County, Indiana, in a way you've never heard before. It's another way we're using our voice to build our community from Woof Boom Radio and 925 FM, 1340 AM, WMUN. Here's your host. Dr. Joe. Good, good morning, everybody. Welcome to all kinds of people. And I am delighted to have Mary Ann Voorhees in this morning. Mary Ann, thanks for coming down to Wolf Boom. You're welcome. So what's it like not necessarily having to go back to work after 20 years on that circuit court judgeship? Well, so far it just feels like an extended vacation. Um, I still am trying to get used to getting out of bed. <laughs> at, a, at a normal time, I not sleeping in too far, but I've it. enjoyed it so far. But as we were chatting right before the program, uh, the Supreme Court made a phone call to the House, and so maybe we're not quite retired yet. Right. I think I'm going to fill in for the judge in Grant Superior Court, who was elevated to the Court of Appeals, and they need a substitute judge. So I'm going to sit in there until uh, the governor appoints somebody to that position. But it'll be a nice transition for me to get out of the judge business a little bit of it, a little bit at a time. Okay, kind of easing out of that situation. Right. So. Way back in the day, um, Muncie's your home. Correct. Um, one of five children, and you were at least one of the five that followed Dad around all the time because he was a coach. Yes? Right. Yes, I was the oldest, and so I spent many hours uh, going to basketball practices, going to the ball field when he umpired games, when he coached baseball. Um, so I was definitely uh, exposed to all the sports, and in fact, when I Went to college. I thought I was going to be a teacher and a coach, just like my dad. Okay, that okay. was my that was my thinking at the time. Go on to be a teacher and a coach. Right. However. However, I started thinking about law and decided to take the LSAT and see how I did. And as it turned out, I was um, offered a full tuition scholarship to Notre Dame Law School. Okay. And so I decided to pursue a career in law instead of teaching, although. You know, I still love teachers, and I have a sister who's a teacher, still teaching, and, you know, it's a great profession. But I, I do feel like I made the right decision for me. And I'm very interested in the fact that academically, you left Ball State as an honors college grad. You left your doctorate of juris, jurisprudence at Notre Dame as a magna cum laude. Um, and I was quite fascinated by the fact that you were the editor uh, in chief of the Notre Dame Law Review. And I, having done some writing myself, I have no concept about writing things in a law journal. Mm -hmm. What got you into that and what were the challenges of that? Well, that is a, a story I like to tell, especially to young women. I was um, in the, uh, only about 30% of my law school class was women. Okay. We were, um, we celebrated the 10th year of women being at Notre Dame when I was there. So women were still relatively new to campus. And um, to get on law review, um, I was placed on law review because of my grades. 
And then you go through the process of learning what to do and how to edit and doing footnotes, et cetera. Then there's an election for editor-in-chief. So I was in our law review lounge. We had an office and lounge area with our lockers. And one of my uh, fellow students on law review, a male, said, I would never vote for a woman to be editor-in-chief. So, of course, this got my competitive spirits up a little. I recall some of those days. <laughs> so yeah. I decided to run for editor-in-chief just to make a point. Well, it turned out that I was in the final two to be editor-in-chief. And I really didn't want to be editor-in-chief. I was just kind of making a statement. So I actually voted against myself, but I ended up winning. So I was the first woman to serve as editor-in-chief of the Notre Dame Law Review. And it basically uh, took all my spare time, my third year of law school. I'm sure it did. Between classes and then having to work on the journal. So... Uh, But it was a great experience, and, um, you know, I learned a lot about organizing. It was mostly an organization, making sure things got done, scheduling, um, making sure uh, people got their work done. And I think – I forget how many uh, editions we produced. I think it was something around the area of five editions that we produced. I still have them at home, actually, bound – and every now and then I, I look at them just to see how much work we did because it did represent quite a bit of work. Yeah, those are good memories, though. And, and <clears throat> I appreciate you sort of suggesting you were setting the pace for women back then because similar experiences for me at Eastern Michigan with the newspaper and editorship. Um, and so um, I, I think when we have guests in like yourself – it's really important for you to share those kinds of stories about setting a pace for women a little farther back in years because it it had an impact all the way through. Um, So going from the challenges of the Law Journal, I'm quite interested in your four years on the varsity fast-pitch softball team. Thank you. and nailing two state championships in the process. So right. What was, are some of the memories of that little activity? Oh, it, very, very good memories. Um, you have to think back to these were the early days of Title IX, and Title IX really had not come into effect. I mean, it was there, but it wasn't being enforced. So when I played softball at Ball State, it was a tryout system. Oh, Just open okay. tryouts. You showed up. You um, tried out. You were selected by the coach, no scholarships. Um, <clears throat> we had one set of kind of old, we used to laugh at the uniforms because they were, one player called them paper dresses because they were pretty flimsy uniforms. Okay. Uh, we traveled in vans and station wagons. The coaches had to drive. Players even drove, which astonishing now, they would probably never let a player behind the wheel of a vehicle to drive other players so around. So this is really strong support of women's athletics, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So I don't remember if it was my junior or senior year. I think it was my senior year. The coach came to us between uh, after season and before the next season started and said, you all have scholarships. And we all went, what? What are you talking about? Well, Ball State had decided that they were going to start uh, giving athletic scholarships to women. Okay. And of course, since there was no recruiting yet, she gave a scholarship to all the basically the starters for the varsity. Okay. And then that's when the recruiting process started and you know now we know what it is today. But 
it was so different back in those days because, again, we weren't playing necessarily for scholarships. We played because we loved the game. And um, it was something that and we, we liked, you know, playing with uh, ball with each other. We liked we did do a lot of traveling. Uh, we missed classes. The professors were always really, um, you know, helped us out, didn't penalize us at all. But, you know, it was somewhat like it is today, but really nothing at all like it is today. And it's interesting, I guess, from my perspective, to also nail those state championships. They had to be a really core group of athletes. Um, and I, I guess I'm fascinated by the fact that given your interest in sports from your dad, to all of a sudden shift gears from that into the law area mm-hmm. just seems like a very unique transition for somebody to make after, well, right. after that camaraderie on the team. Mm-hmm. Well, and I had another. I have another story about that too, because um, as time permits, here on this segment, oh. um, we were going to. Uh, we I think it was my junior year, and we had won the state, which was great. Um, I would say I was a tiny cog in that. I think I, I think I batted seventh and played left field. Um, but um, we did have some great athletes and great pitching. You know, pitching really makes fast pitch softball. Yeah, I have, like I told you, I have no concept of the ability to throw a fast pitch And I used to go out there and mess around and try to throw a pitch, and I could never do it. I mean, the the release point, the timing, it was just way beyond my capacity. But but we actually had a breakdown of our vehicles outside of Chicago. Okay. Turned out, long story short, turned out we had been given a really bad vehicle. It broke down along the side of the road. Um, the luggage carrier came off in the, in the highway. <laughs> a nice semi-truck driver saved it for us. I wrote a letter of protest to Ball State, to the people that gave us the vehicle. And I passed the letter out to my teammates. And it gave me a feeling of, wow, I really... That was something special. I really liked doing that. I really liked advocating for my teammates. And that's another reason I thought I might like to be a lawyer. This is the start of the legal career. Thank you. (laughs) We're with Marianne Voorhees, everybody. And we'll be back with Marianne after this break. WMUN's All Kinds of People. Back to Dr. Joe. Welcome back, everybody. Mary Ann Voorhees is our guest today. And Mary Ann, you bring so many memories back, especially when it relates to sports. Let me let go of the varsity team at Ball State. Let's go to Munciana Slow Pitch, finishing third in the nation. Mm-hmm. And you, an all-star. Thank you. What were those memories well, like? Well, again, we're going to go way back in the day. Uh, <laughs> softball was the sport before volleyball. Okay. Everybody played softball. All the girls played softball. That was the big thing. There were there were leagues, there were church leagues, there were regular leagues. It was just, as I said, everybody played everybody. softball. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Shondell and his family, of course, started Munciana. And Munciana was a softball program before they branched into volleyball or kind of at the same oh, time. okay, okay. So that was our team was Munciana uh, softball. And they needed a left fielder at the time. I think their left fielder was injured. And they came to me and said, will you play on our team? And I said, sure. And we went to uh, York, Pennsylvania for the Nationals. We lost our first game, which was 
a, many stories about that. <laughs> uh, you know, you can never, you can't, you know, imagine you drive all those hours, go play your first game and lose three to two with a couple of really bad breaks. And this was double elimination. And it was double elimination. So we had to play our, our way out of the loser's bracket. And we played and played and played and played. And there was a rain delay. We played late into the night. We had to get up early the next morning. And we just played our way all the way back to third place. Um, so we always wonder when we get back together, what would have happened if we hadn't blown that first game? But we'll never know. Never know, never know. Never know. And, and you know, it's fun to talk to Steve Shondell. Uh, would I see Steve? And you did come out of that as an all-star. Right. I was the one player from our team who was recognized for the all-national team, which was great. Um, there were We had so many deserving people on our team, but um, I was selected, which was very unexpected. But selected, obviously, for your play during that whole time. Right, right. So it was a, it was a great experience. Again, um, you know, Steve Shondell has coached many, many athletes. And Steve taught me some things, too. Even, you know, we could win a game 15 to nothing, and Steve would still sit you down after the game and say, now, we could have done this better. You know, oh, it was okay. never you know, you guys are great. You just smashed this team. It was always, what can we take from this experience and, and you know, how and can we do forward. it better the next time? So that was a really good learning experience to know that even if you are dominating, there's still things you can get better at and things you can do better le- next time. Obviously within the Shondell family, that's led to some success with volleyball. Right. To say and the then least. I think after that season, I'm thinking that was the last Muncieana softball team. And then that's when they started focusing on the volleyball. And of course now Muncieana volleyball is just, you know, it's a, it's an institution. Yeah, it's it's a hub. brand. It's, it's, it's um, made volleyball part of East central Indiana. And, you know, now so many young people, uh, girls play volleyball. And, yeah, and slow pitch it, softball is pretty much, I don't even know that, how much slow pitch softball exists in this area. Yeah, I know just following the Ball State volleyball teams, both the men and women have certainly had quite a successful these past two years. So it's mm-hmm. very interesting to see that transition. Right. Marianne, being one of five kids growing up in Muncie, what were some of the activities that you and the siblings did in terms of a family? Um, well, my mom always said that I'm the oldest, and my my siblings would tell you that I'm the bossiest. And she always said that I would get them all organized during the day, you know, if we had a day off of school or during the summer. And we played outside all the time. You know, we, we would get up in the morning. We would go outside. We would play. We would play kickball, softball, tag, four-square, bike riding. Uh, we grew up, I grew up primarily about two blocks from the Kennedy Branch Library. Okay. Um, on the same side of McGalliard, and uh, we would go to the library constantly. We could walk over to the library. So reading was a big part of our growing up, um, sports, uh, going to ball games with my dad. We would, uh, my dad was a big baseball fan, so we would go to, usually we had a trip to Cincinnati every year to see the Reds, and um, Kings Island, Coney Island. Back in the day, even it was Coney Island, then it was Kings Island. I don't know if you remember Coney Island. (laughs) But um, and then uh, our grandparents had a cottage up at Lake Wawasee, so we would usually spend a couple weeks up there in the summer. So it was your pretty typical lifestyle, um, you know. For my dad was a teacher and a coach, so you know we weren't wealthy by any means, sure. we, you know, and with five kids. Uh, but we had a really fun growing up and great experiences. Lots of kids in the neighborhood. Our backyard was pretty much the ball field. We had a, you know, the bases were all dug out in dug our, out. <laughs> and, you know you could see where all the bases were my parents didn't care they didn't care that their backyard looked like a baseball field they loved the, the fact that the, all the kids in the neighborhood would come down and play so it, and, and it was different when you um 
when I grew up, you know where the Northwest Bank is there at the corner of McGalliard and Oakwood was not there. McGalliard stopped basically about where the library is. Oh, okay. So we could could go out there. We could go to that field and play all day long. And then there was a path. We called it the path basically where Oakwood is uh, down to Northside. It was just a dirt path. Yeah, okay. So you had a lot of area to... Right. So so we and we could walk across McGalliard to go to the Northwest Plaza because there was no traffic there. It stopped. So we had free reign of areas <laughs> now that you would never even let your kids, you know, cross the street. We we had the run of that whole neighborhood all the way from the Northwest Plaza down to the Ross supermarket there on Wheeling, which is now, I think, the uh, tractor supply or some right, kind of right. store there. Yeah. Yeah, so we had free reign. We we roamed the neighborhood and didn't have to worry about traffic or any other anything else. And you know, it was one of those things where our mom would have to come out and yell at us to come in at night to eat dinner. You know, it's time to eat. Get in here. No, we want a few more we minutes. We want to stay out. We want to stay yeah, outside. Yeah, but it was just it was a great place to grow up. I remember in preparing for this talk today that you are an avid book reader. Oh yes, I and am. I think I read that your ideal vacation would be to go someplace where you could just sit and read a book a day. Yes, that's my what I love to do. I love just to sit and read. And and is it all kind of books? Oh, all kinds, yeah. I especially like Scandinavian murder mysteries. I know that sounds strange, but... A little strange for a judge, I think, but maybe not. <laughs> I, yeah, I really like the intricate plots <clears throat> and the um, the depth they get into with their characters. But no, I'm, I'm reading right now a book about Judge Peroni of Muncie. And it's written by his daughter, Mary Peroni Harper. And it's very interesting. Um, He he was blind and his wife, Jane, was blind. And so it was about how they grew up and went to the school for the blind and then came back to Muncie and settled here and raised uh, a family um, who all had sight, but they were blind. So I, yeah, I really enjoy reading all different types of books, fiction, nonfiction, I like to read. I've, one of the things I know um, I enjoy is the presidents. So I've read a book uh, about every president from Washington through Trump now. I did read the latest book on the Trump presidency, okay. and uh, I enjoy that type of history. And so, yes, I will read just about anything that I can get my hands Might on. Might you find yourself sitting down during this retirement and writing a book of some I sort may. to reflect back on what's been a great career? I may. I may. It, it, as soon as I can stop working enough, <laughs> I, that's definitely something I would think about doing. Just a little bit of work you've done, BIA, the Supreme Court, because I'm quite fascinated by the fact that you've been called upon to do some things. Right. I am, I'm currently sitting on the Supreme Court Rules Committee, which okay. we deal with all of the rules. I didn't realize how many rules there were until I got on the Rules Committee, but there are multiple sets of rules. Are these annual meetings? or No, we meet once a month. Okay. So okay. we meet once a month, and it's typically for at least half a day, if not more, and it's still a lot of prep between meetings. Okay. Um, but we go through the rules, make revisions. People send us requests to look at rules, to revise rules. We're trying to modernize the rules because the rules were written basically for paper filing, which used to be Way the thing. Yep. Now we have electronic filing, so things are different. So we have so many things we need to address as far as electronic filing, um, just conflicts in the rules. We just There's just so many things to do. It's really interesting. It's something I really enjoy doing. 
That just sounds like a real challenge to me. But <laughs> some like, people would. Some people they don't like it. Yeah. If you like to sit around and argue over whether there should be a comma or a semicolon, <laughs> or whether you should say shall or must, that's it's a committee for you. A, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been with Marianne Voorhees, who spent 20 years as a judge of Delaware Circuit Court. She's not quite retired yet because the Supreme Court has asked her to fill in for at least another two or three months. But Marianne, I look forward to seeing you out on the tennis courts at the Y, um, driving that serve and chasing down those lobs. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I enjoy that too, and I appreciate your time and letting everybody in Delaware County know what, how many, not just, I'm not saying this because of me, but may I make one more speech? Yes. I would say over my 20-year career as judge, I met so many wonderful people in Delaware County through jury duty and other things like that. And the people of Delaware County were so giving and so willing to serve. I think that's one of the great untold stories of our county is the people's willingness to serve their county. I think that's a very good closing and a good reflection of your career, Marianne. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. We'll see you next week, everybody, for all kinds of people. <laughs>